gonna do, we're gonna go ahead and jump right back into the word as we normally do. So I'm gonna have you guys open up your Bibles to Mark chapter seven. And we're actually gonna go, uh, go through and cover verses 24 through 37 this morning. So again, Mark chapter seven, 24 through 37. Now, those of you that are watching that have been a part of our church process, you know kind of what we do. We have a, a moment of time where we read through the scripture and then we sit with it. It'll be about a minute or so where it'll give you the opportunity to reread it, really hear from the Lord, take your notes, uh, whatever you would like to do, and then we'll kind of break it down uh, together. But before we get into the scripture, what, one of the things I want to do is, is kind of recall where we were. Last week, Pastor Jason uh, taught on verses 1 through 23. And I would highly encourage you to please go back and watch that message. Uh, it's such a powerful message of Jesus's interaction with the Pharisees that they were, again, trying to entrap him and trying to, to trip him up with traditions and commandments and laws and rules and everything else. And, and Jesus was able to dispel their traditions regarding food. So Jesus in that passage declaring all food clean. But more than that, it was more about our heart and where we're at. Uh, so extinguishing tradition, it's not about man's tradition. It's about God's commandments and what he tells us. And Jesus made that very clear, teaching us the importance that what comes from the heart is what makes us clean or unclean, not food. So again, I encourage you go back one week, watch Jason's message, powerful stuff, and then well, you'll have a really good understanding of, of kind of how everything's been flowing in context as we've been studying the book of Mark. So with that being said, let's read together Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 37. Before you, it'll be up on the screen here. You can follow along. And it says, And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter whose little daughter had an unclean spirit, heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first. For it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in, the, uh, in bed and the demon gone. Moving on to verse 31. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him and taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue and looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So with that, we're going to take one minute, go ahead and reread the passage, spend some time in prayer, and we'll come back together and really hear what the Lord wants to tell us this morning. 
All right, so let's go ahead and get into get into the word. So again, verse 24, just uh, again, providing some context. And from there, he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. So we've, we've spoken about this already. The ministry of Jesus, he is beyond popular. Any region that he goes to now within Israel, now he's even heading out of Israel. So let me show you really quick a little bit of kind of bring some geography just to bring some understanding. You see here up on the screen kind of where Tyre and Sidon are. They lie on the Mediterranean coast. So Jesus is doing the bulk of his ministry here in the Sea of Galilee. And he's now kind of releasing himself to this region called Phoenicia. And he's trying to get away. <laughs> he wants to retreat, you know, just kind of like they had done before. Disciples with him. But he goes to this Gentile region known as Phoenicia. But he could not be hidden. His name and his ministry is expanding and people know of him. They've heard of him. And as we read on, immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. So now again, in this region, a Syrophoenician woman, that just simply means that she was from Syria and in this region of Phoenicia. So she's a Syrophoenician. It's in a Roman province. So she is, in effect, she is a Gentile. But what we're going to see in her is this persistent faith. And if there's a note I want you to take, it's just that persistent faith. And that's really going to be a theme of, of what we talk about this morning. We saw that persistent faith in the, the leper that was cleansed from chapter 1 after he had implored Jesus to heal him. We saw the persistent faith of the friends and the paralytic when they removed the roof to lower their friend to the feet of Jesus in chapter 2. And then we saw in chapter 5, the synagogue ruler, Jairus, imploring Jesus to heal his daughter. And so we see a lot of that, a lot of that persistence, that begging, that crying out to Jesus for healing. So this woman here begged Jesus, it said, kept asking, kept asking, crying out, it says, because her daughter had been afflicted by a demon. So all the things that she had been hearing about Jesus, about releasing people from their possession, healing uh, leprosy, raising people up from their, their, their lameness and, and, and the, their blindness and, and their, their deafness, just healing people of all their disease and illness. Word is traveling and she's heard of this and she comes to the feet of Jesus. So as we move on in verses 27 and 28, and it says, Jesus' response to her is, let the children be fed first. For it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. It's kind of harsh, isn't it? Is Jesus calling this woman a dog? Not necessarily. In that day, it was actually amongst the Jewish people common to refer to Gentiles as dogs. It was just a term because they saw Gentile people as lower than themselves. Now, is Jesus using it in this derogatory sense? No, I don't believe he is. But we're going to be, become very, very clear as to what is being said by this. Jesus understands that when he, he knows his mission, he says, I've come to feed my children first. And this is kind of proclaimed throughout scripture that Jesus came to the promised people, the Jewish people. In Matthew 15, verse 24, it says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. We're going to come back to that statement in a little bit. Later on in Acts chapter 3, verse 26, Peter, speaking to the people of Israel, said, God, having raised up his servant, meaning Jesus, sent him to you first. And then later in Romans, Paul says something similar, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, 
For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so we see that throughout Scripture that Jesus' ministry, his mission was to reach the promised people of Israel first, the Jewish population first. And so this woman understands that, and her response in verse 28 says, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. So we're going to come back to that, but we're going to look at it from a different perspective. If you would like, go ahead and turn over, go back one book to the book of Matthew chapter 15. It'll be up on the screen here, but if you want to follow along at home in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28, kind of tells the same story from Matthew's account. There's a couple things in here that I want to walk us through that kind of shed some light on this terminology that Jesus is using that seems a little harsh, seems a little off-putting, so to speak. But as you as you get there, I kind of, again, want to provide some understanding. Think about this woman's perspective. One, she understands her role as a Gentile. She's outside of the Jewish people, so that's one strike. She's a woman in this day and age, and, and in that culture, in that era, women were kind of second-class citizens, so strike two. She had a daughter who's been afflicted by a demon. She's hurting. She's in pain, strike three. Now she's being referred to as second class by, by Jesus. Strike, is that four? And it just, <laughs> I, I don't play baseball, so there's a lot, of, a lot more strikes in, in my, my book. But, but here's the idea, is, is this is the weight that this woman is carrying, and here she comes to Jesus. So if you're in Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 through 23 says this, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. So here we see now a little extra added bonus to all these strikes that seem to be against this woman. So in Matthew's account, as she came to Jesus, she cries out to him and he meets her with, silence. He doesn't even respond. Strike five. Okay. And now here the disciples are coming saying, Jesus, get her out of here. We came to retreat. We came to get away, remove her, send her home. Strike 17. You can imagine the weight that this woman is carrying. All these people around are trying to get rid of her, but she's so persistent to get to Jesus that Jesus is going to recognize that. So her faith started with word of mouth knowledge, right? Remember in Mark chapter seven, she had heard of Jesus. It then led to persistence, reverence, and submission to Jesus as Lord. She refers to Jesus as Lord, son of David. So even knowing that messianic title that he had and that he was carrying referred to that. And then you get the disciples response in this first portion. Their response is kind of a collective 12-person eye roll, right? That's kind of what we get. Jesus, she's, she's coming to us. She's yelling at us, crying to us, send her away. Now, it's interesting to note that this woman wasn't coming to the disciples. She was coming to meet Jesus. But the disciples take it upon themselves saying, she's crying out to us, send her away. Well, that's not the point. And then we get Jesus's response. His initial response, silence. And that's kind of something I, I want us to really grab onto in this moment right now is sometimes when we pray, when we're coming to Jesus, when we're coming with our requests, 
Sometimes we just get silence, don't we? Does it mean that Jesus isn't answering us or won't answer us? No. It means that we just need to keep asking. We need to keep listening. Persistence and perseverance means keep going, keep pushing forward, keep crying out to God. But sometimes in our culture here today, when we don't get what we want, we don't get the answer right away, we move on and we give up. But that's not the word that we're getting from this story today. So Jesus moves on in Matthew chapter 15, verse 24 through 28. He answers her now and says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So what do we get? We get this term. Don't throw it. We're not going to throw it to the dogs. Jesus referring again to the Gentiles. But, but, but think about this. What we're referring to is kind of a house dog, a puppy. You know, I don't know if you saw it just a little moment ago here in our house, our dog walked through the scene. In fact, I don't know if he'll, if he'll respond, but we don't feed our children after we feed our pets. At least I hope not, right? Gizzy, come here. You want a treat? You want a treat? Come here. Come on. We'll see if he comes. He went to go lie down. But... But here's the thing is we feed our family first. We feed those we're responsible to first, right? We don't take the bulk of our food and give it to our pets and give it to the dogs before our own children. But that's kind of what's going on here. Jesus understood and maintained his mission, maintained his purpose. However, he is now showing, as he has in other cases, that he knows his mission, but his mission to the Jews is not exclusive. He's healed many others in Gentile regions before this. And so he's just following suit. He's doing what he normally does. But that's his response. So I think Jesus knows, and he's going to spur a response from this woman. And this is her response. Submission. Catch what she says. After Jesus' initial silence and after the disciples begged to send her away. In, in Matthew 15, verse 25, But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. Prior, she referred to Jesus as Jesus, Lord, Son of David. Now, she's just saying, on her knees before Jesus, Lord, help me. That submissiveness to her God. She's coming to believe in who he is. She's basically saying, kind of paraphrase, I'm not asking to wait until a later time. Yeah, I understand my, my situation. I understand I'm a Gentile. I'm a, I understand I'm outside of the Jewish class. I understand I'm a woman. I understand that nothing about me deserves anything more than anybody else. But I'm not asking for a later time. But basically what she's saying is, hey, Jesus, a crumb blessing from you is still a blessing. So I'm appealing to your mercy. Give me whatever you can give me in this moment without reference to my own merit or anything about me. You know, David in, in the Psalms uh, wrote a lot about this, very similar to what the woman is doing here. And in, in, in the book of Psalms, chapter 142, verses 1 and 2, 
David says, with my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. This is something we need to do. But sometimes we just, we say our simple prayers. We ask for what we want and then we just move on. But we don't continue to cry out. We don't have that persistence of saying over and over and over and over because we feel like we're met with silence and we just, in our world, we don't have time. I got to move on. So you're not going to give me what I want. I'm out. We can't do that. Jesus is saying we need to cry out. We need to stand before him. We need to kneel before him in submission to his lordship and continue to cry out to him. You know, there's a story in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 32. Jacob has a, an experience, a, a moment with God. And that scripture relates to that, that Jacob was wrestling with God. And in that moment, in verse 26 of Genesis chapter 32, God said to Jacob, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. You hear that? I'm going to hold on to you, God, until you bless me. I know who you are. I'm submissive to you. I know what you can do. I appeal to your mercy, God. I won't let you go until you bless me with what I need. That may not be what I want, but I know you will give me what I need. So being persistent and unwavering in our faith in God is not an annoyance. You know, sometimes we kind of get that feeling in our mind when somebody just asks and asks and asks and asks and they don't give up and say, you stop annoying me, <laughs> go away. Or even maybe as parents, we have children that do that. And so we relent and say, okay, here, have a snack, go away. Just stop asking. But this is exactly what God is, is, is asking us to do, to be persistent, be unwavering, don't give up. You're not annoying God. You're just coming to him in faith, in trust, in who he is. So placing full faith and credit in the one who has the food you need. It's knowing that although unworthy because of who we are in our nature, we can come to him knowing he cares for us and desires to provide for us. This is what Jesus tells us in the book of John, chapter 6, verse 35. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. If we come to Jesus, if we come in submissive faith, he says, you'll never go hungry. You'll never be thirsty. So this woman heard about Jesus. She came to him. She worshiped him. She fell at his feet. She believed in his word, accepted what was given to her, and then acted in faith and received what she was promised. And that's how this first section concludes in verses 29 and 30. If you want to go back to Mark chapter 7, in verses 29 and 30, and Jesus said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Persistent faith. Keep at it. Keep going. Jesus wants us to endure. So in contrast to tradition, as Pastor Jason spoke about last week, he spoke about the, the Pharisees, the, the tradition of food and, and food being unclean. And, and Jesus basically declared that, hey, it's not what goes into you that makes you clean or unclean, but what comes out of you. Speaking, whatever comes from your heart, how you are uh, giving yourself to others or presenting yourself to others, what's in your heart is what matters. But here, in contrast to tradition, Jesus is now claiming all people are clean. It's not about 
Jews versus Gentiles, anybody that comes to me with that persistent faith in me, cries out to me, says, I'll bless you, I'll provide for you. This is why Paul later in Galatians, in that letter in chapter 3, verse 28, would say, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So with that, she understood. She had faith, she believed, and Jesus told her to go. And that act of faith to leave, to unclench and go home, she found her daughter well. So let's move on. And in the second story of our, our passage today, in verses 31 and 32, it says, Jesus then returned from the region of Tyre and, and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. You know, so again, I kind of show you the route of Jesus here in uh, this, the second map here. You see he went up to the, the coast, but then he comes back down in kind of a circular type fashion back to the region of the Decapolis. Now, if you were with us, you remember uh, back in chapter five, Jesus had crossed the sea with his disciples and met a demoniac. And when he released that demoniac and sent the demons, the legion of demons into the pigs, this now freed man went throughout the Decapolis preaching and sharing his story about what Jesus had done for him. So Jesus is now returning to that same region. And in verses 33 through 35, Jesus takes this man and takes him aside. So this becomes a very private uh, interaction with Jesus and this deaf and mute man. So knowing his deafness, knowing he's mute, knowing he can't communicate his needs, Jesus uses multiple signs to reach this man. He hasn't lost his sight. He hasn't lost his sense of touch. And so we, we see how Jesus very personally, very intimately uses signs versus just words by sticking his fingers in his ears. And after he spit, he touches his tongue. You can imagine maybe how this man was feeling like this is maybe a little too <laughs> in my space, but putting his, you know, fingers in his ears is kind of giving him the understanding that I'm going to help you out now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something about your hearing. And then grabbing his tongue, he's saying, I'm also going to help your speech impediment. This man was deaf and mute, but again, he hadn't lost his sense of touch, so he kind of had an understanding of maybe what was about to happen. And then Jesus' action of prayer. So in that moment, his action of prayer, Jesus looking up and it says he sighed, praying, appealing to his heavenly father. And this is interesting because still, maybe at this moment, he still didn't receive his hearing. So showing this man, that looking up, that he's praying, appealing to God to bring healing to this man. He says he sighs. Maybe there was kind of that physical sigh or groan or something for this man to understand what was happening. You know, it says that, Jesus prays for us in scripture multiple times that Jesus prays for us. We see it in John 17 and we see it in, in other places as well. But Paul speaks to this actually in Romans chapter eight, verse 26. Again, Romans eight, verse 26. It says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us, prays for us with groanings too deep for words. And this is kind of the sense of what I, I feel that Jesus was doing for this man. Groaning, pleading for his, to his heavenly father, 
touching his ears, touching his tongue, groaning, praying, showing him that healing was coming. And that touch and prayer of Jesus is exactly what he needed. And it provided him healing in that moment. As we move on in, in Mark in verses 36 through 37, and Jesus charged them again to tell nobody as he'd done with others before. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. And he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is prophecy fulfilled. If you want to make a note in Isaiah chapter 35, verses 5 and 6, Isaiah speaks to this, says that the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. You can imagine what this man did after the fact, being able to proclaim very clearly what Jesus had done with clear speech, being able to hear maybe Jesus's words after the fact and others. You can imagine how much joy and praise that brought him. And for others who saw this, who knew that man, they marveled, they astonished, they were in amazement, but without concern to the obedience of Jesus. Did you catch that? There was marvel, there was amazement, there was astonishment, but with no concern to what Jesus had then commanded them to do or not to do in that moment. That Jesus will provide, he'll bring mercy, he'll bring healing, he'll prayer, pray on our behalf. For our submissive, faithful need, he's willing to reach out to us and yet then commands us to do this or that, but yet we often ignore those commands because we've gotten what we needed. We were able to get what we needed and we're fulfilled and so we can go about and do our thing, right? No, we forget to listen to what Jesus then tells us to do or not to do. That's where we need to release our self-focus spiritually. We're blind and deaf. We're mute. We're possessed by sin and afflicted by sin. And yet Jesus provides us salvation. He provides us freedom to hear and to speak. But only to become blind and deaf to the world around us because we've gotten what we needed. We forget that other people are walking in blindness. Walking without being able to hear. Walking without being able to see and understand who Jesus is. That Jesus can reach down and touch them as well. And that's why he heals us so that we can then go and provide that healing to other people. We don't need to be blind and deaf and mute to the needs of others. So to wrap this up, I want to tell us one more story from the Gospels. It's in Luke chapter 18. You don't need to turn there. I'm going to go ahead and read it and it'll be up on the screen. But in Luke 18, Jesus tells a parable to this effect, everything that we just kind of went through. So Luke 18 verses one through eight says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So Jesus is telling them, teaching his disciples, this is how you need to pray. And he tells them a story. He says, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. So he didn't have respect for God. He didn't have respect for man, but he was a judge in the city. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, 
though I neither fear God nor respect man. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Jesus is teaching us this is how we are to pray. Like this persistent widow who kept asking and asking and pleading. This is what Jesus wants from us. He wants persistent prayer, persistent faith. Like Jacob, not letting go until we hear from the Lord. Something we need to learn to practice and I think God has blessed us with the perfect opportunity when he said, hey, you need to settle down. You need to be shut up in your houses. (laughs) You can't go out. You can't uh, get involved with the noise of the world right now. You need to learn to be quiet. And maybe this is our opportunity to practice this kind of prayer. To come before the Lord like the woman with the, the daughter who was possessed, who heard of Jesus, who came to Jesus, who appealed to Jesus, got down on her knees in front of Jesus and persistently prayed and begged and pleaded to Jesus until she got the response that she was desiring, which was a word from Jesus. And that's what we need to understand. Romans 12 tells us rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And then contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. To be patient in tribulation. A lot of us are fearful. A lot of us are scared. A lot of us are worried about what's going on. This virus seems to be spreading and and, and continuing to go and go and go. And this is our tribulation right now. So are we constant in prayer? Are we persevering in prayer? So if we learn anything from our passage today, it's this. One, God will always hear our cries for help. It may be initially met with silence, but we need to be persistent in our prayers. Two, God will answer our prayers. He will answer our prayers. It may not be what we want. It may not be the answer we're looking for, but it will always be what we need. Always. And number three, God will always provide for us. It will not always be what we want, but it will be exactly what we need. So again, God will always hear our cries for help. He will always answer our prayers, and he will always provide us what we need. And so with that, I'm going to challenge us all to memorize this next scripture, and I'm going to close with this. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11. Nice and short, not very long. Memorize it this week. 1 Chronicles Chapter 16, verse 11. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. So that's the challenge. That's the encouragement today. Press on, press forward. Keep moving forward in faith as you come to Jesus for everything that you need. There's nothing you can't bring to Jesus that he won't hear he won't answer we just got to be persistent and keep coming to jesus amen amen let me pray for you father we thank you for this opportunity this morning online 
we're still together in community, Lord God, and we thank you for your word. I pray, Father God, that you've spoken loud and clear, that your spirit moves and stirs our hearts and our minds to continue to press into you, to persevere, to find you, to run after you, to cry out to you, Jesus. And that's my prayer for all of us now, Lord God, that are, that are listening to these words, that are hearing, Father God, that we would seek to continually go after you, to seek your presence, Lord, with all that we've got. So I pray that over all of us, Lord, for all of us. Continue to speak, Jesus. We pray this in your son's holy and precious and saving name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. <laughs> hey, just wanted to, uh, again, remind everybody, uh, number one, I know this is different. This is unique, but we're still reaching out and we're still available. So one, if you have any questions or concerns about anything that was said today or done and, and you've taken some notes and you're unsure, reach out. Would you email me? Give me a call, uh, whatever it is you need so we can keep plugging away together. Number two, I kind of wanted to remind us about uh, the availability to give online. Uh, again, you can do that through the church app. You can mail it in. Uh, you see up here, uh, Cam, if you can put that up on the, on the screen. Um, it's a very easy process to get plugged in with the church app. It's, it's very secure, uh, very easy, three-step process. You see here, you can, uh, again, if you download the church app, you'll be able to uh, figure out how to do that. So when you go to the church app, you, you plug in uh, your account. So you log in and then you set up your account information and it's very easy, one, two, three. So be blessed, be encouraged. We love you guys.